Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It is May 26th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. We are all over the place today. I am homesick. You can hear it in my voice and in my tenor. Uh, Danielle Riendo is in Lobby One. Keep in Lobby One lockdown. I'm alive in Lobby One. That's definitely a thing. Uh, And Rob Zachney coming to us from L.A., Los Angeles, the city of angels. I'm in my kitchen, and everything is covered in flour. Oh, good. Are you you making? Are you making stuff? Uh, so actually, I just I, I finally broke down and got one of those like uh, meal prep subscription services. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, not uh, not the not Blue Apron, mm-hmm. uh, Peach Dish. Okay, uh, which had slightly better reviews. And uh, last night, I finally like forced myself to actually like cook food rather huh. than go to Grubhub and have like one of three dis- like health disaster meals brought to me. Uh, and I feel really good about that. It's been a good decision, and it feels like I probably should have done this months ago rather right. than continue to try and prep like full size meals for me living by myself. Just you, in LA. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We I do that. that. I have, I have a, I have a. Actually, my girlfriend and I double up, so we have a. a it is Blue Apron, but we have a meal every night, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. Nice. It's actually pretty good. I think it fits with the uh, this particular lifestyle. Yeah. Wait, which life? Which which particular life? Like the New Yorker, yeah, journo, like barely New at Yorker, home. You you work quite a bit. You're not at home very much, but you still uh-huh. want to cook. You still want to eat healthfully. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to cook. This is completely her idea, but I I reap the benefits and I also do the dishes. So you know, there it works out. There you works go. Out. That does sound like it works out. Um, I haven't been cooking. I haven't been doing any i don't have any subscriptions all i got is a new piece up on waypoint.vice.com about far cry 5 which is a game i sort of saw uh, a little over a week ago um (laughs) you've been cooking up takes i've been cooking up these takes that's actually like not as i had to turn this take around way faster than i wanted to because i think it's a really complex thing and uh the time i had to write this week was way lower than the time i needed to spend like booking e3 and making sure the budget was right and all that other i'm glad you talked yourself down from like embedding yourself in the american heartland for like three weeks i really wanted to just really get it move to montana and you know see who i could talk to you know, shoot see at if least I get, five deer. I want to write it. Short, yeah. Shoot at at least five deer. I'd probably miss, but that'd okay. be okay. That'd be like some add some verite. You know what I mean? A little bit <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. True storytelling. Um, 
so yeah, so I saw Far Cry 5. I saw a, a presentation that Ubisoft gave at a hotel uh, about <laughs> Far Cry 5 back at Judges Week. Um, and I've been like dying to talk about it because it, it left a real impression. Um, and I, I like the long and short is I think that they're setting a really high bar and I hope that they clear it. Um, but I'm, I am pretty excited to see them try, uh, which is not a thing I've said about a Far Cry game since. Like, I didn't even say that about two. I just happened to like two a lot, but I kind of went into it very skeptical. Um, but then I really went, I, three was not a good look for, for as far as I'm concerned. And, and four was surprisingly good. Um, but I did not have high expect, high expectations for it. So, yeah. uh, I guess the, the quick and easy brief on it is. Far Cry 5 takes place in modern-day Montana. There had been some rumors that it would be a Wild West game. It is not. It takes place in modern-day Montana in a fictional county called Hope County where a group of a, a kind of a, uh, an end-of-days cult called the Project at Eden's Gate, um, mm. which is a, a really good cult name because it's the sort yeah. of name that a real cult has. It's not just like – do you know what I mean? Like cult names yes. for real are really bad. Like they're like clumsy and I like the project at Eden's they're Gate. They're way too involved. Right, exactly. Yes. Also, there's an NPC in one of the trailers who calls them Peggy's, which <laughs> feels weird because huh. – like a P-E-G-I. Do you know what I mean? Like Peggy, but yeah, also Peggy that's what... Peggy 18. Exactly. Right. Peggy yeah. 18. If you've, ever, if you've ever watched like a European trailer, at the top of it, instead of having like an, ER, an ESRB rating, it has a Peggy rating and there's a guy who says, Peggy 18 or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. it's really weird that they're called Peggy's. Anyway, Project Eden's, Eden's Gate is a cult that is also a militia. There are lots of vibes of the kind of sovereign uh, nation movement. Um, there's a lot of vibes of like, or sorry, the sovereign citizen movement, um, lots of like right wing prepper culture. And the kind of pitch that they gave us was, it was, uh, the, the creative director on the project, the executive producer, Dan Hay, uh, said he wanted to make this game back during the kind of year after the recession, 2008, 2009, 2010, in that era. Um, but that there was kind of a pushback from inside that was like, this isn't realistic. The West is one big global village. Like there, things are not going to become unstable enough for a militia to take up arms on American soil. And then uh. in the last like four years or so, kind of like with the rise of of you know, I think knowing how timelines work with games, it really probably means like the rise of the Tea Party, um, yeah. the rise of things like the the standoff at, at Bundy Ranch. Um, a, a number of encounters with sovereign citizen movements over the course of the last four or five years, um, but then you know, kind of egged on in the last three year, three years by the rise of the alt right, by Brexit, by Trump, obviously, like it all lines up to say, like, actually, this is totally a, a much more believable fantasy military conflict thing. Um, and so you play a, a, a rookie like cop, basically, you play play a rookie um, deputy in the county. Who's going in to arrest, uh, or I guess he's going in to investigate. I don't know. He's going in to, to right? also not even he, because you choose your, your character's gender um, and, and also their skin color. You're going into to the, your job for the first time and things go bad. And then the, the kind of like Cold War or kind of the, the, the press release uses the phrase the quiet coup that the, that the Peggy's have been, have been doing over the last few years or, in, or maybe even longer than that in Hope County kind of explodes and, and becomes much more violent. Um, and it's a really complex thing. I, I, I left really struck by that presentation. Yeah, I, I want to ask you, Please. Austin, what, what do you want from the finished game? Like, I don't know. What, like, what, are, I mean, what is your fantasy version of this, this so game? So what I'll say is, like, the thing that's weird about it is 
so there's been some response to this, uh, especially after the key art was released, which is like their cover art, basically, um, which has for the last few few games been the big bad guy on the cover posing. And in this one, it is the big bad guy who is like a priest, kind of like a well-to-do priest with sunglasses surrounded by his like his uh, followers and like his his lieutenants, basically, who are also dressed in various like mixes of religious garb and like rural garb right like uh uh plaid like flannel and plaid that's like with arms cut off and jeans and and i think some people saw that and were like great like we've gone from killing brown people to killing poor people um but the thing that i most want the game to do is to avoid that by and this is kind of what i wrote about by really emphasizing that these sorts of cults and militias prey on the people of these places who are the working class folk who live in rural Montana, who, you know, the, the same way that, that any group of extremists prey on the most, the, the weakest people there. And I don't want that to be, the thing that's going to be tough is I don't want that to be um, a point of spectacle, right? Like I think Far Cry three and four have both had moments where it's like, look at how bad the villain is. Like, Oh, there's, you know, incidences of, you know, sexual harassment or assault. Like, oh, you you walk down the road and you see a a, a widow, at, you know, running away from from assholes. Like, and I don't just want that. Like, that's not very. That's not how these these elements in society actually function. Like, they actually function by getting their hands in all of the local you know elements of government, or they become really powerful through land deals. You know, like the sort of stuff that y- y- I love about noir storytelling in a weird way is like, oh, it's bureaucracy, it's connections, it's it's relationships that are leveraged. Um, and so, I one the the big thing I want is for like the people of Hope County to be there to feel like they are real people who want to live their lives um, and for this cult to be kind of not just corrupting them in this kind of like Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> Temple of Doom, like evil religion way, um, but in a, in a much more like um, – there's a word I'm looking for and I'm losing and I'm, I'm too tired to find it uh, – a, a kind of like a, a much subtler way, you know? Like this is – Ruining our culture, our space, our space, right? Yeah, well, yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like it's it's uh, going to be a tough thing to do that in a way that doesn't feel shitty. Like I think it's a, I think it's a high bar for them. Well, it's it's a really high bar for a Far Cry game to yes. hit because I think <laughs> the problem you run into is I, I think the game that you're sort of describing the way that that world would sort of feel like. Um, would be I'm going to cite two shows that that I, I just I, I tend to really like. Um, there's a show called Longmire, mm. and there's a show called Justified. Yeah, and both of those, over time, uh, they begin as like pull, like you know tough guy cop procedurals, um, and Longmire has its issues. But over time, they increasingly just become about a community, right? And the divisions within that community, and how it's evolving and changing in amidst like hard times. And eventually, those places sort of start to feel uh, very real, and they start to feel lived in. And you begin not only to get a sense for uh, the way things used to be, uh, how different people live now, but you also get a sense for how these outside forces are creating new pressures and schisms uh, within these already hard-pressed communities. But to do that, you actually need, you, you need a storytelling backdrop 
that isn't all conflict all the time. Right. It needs you need, to be a place there, where you can explore and live. Exactly. There needs yeah. to be this like low rumble of conflict, not open gunfights, right? Right. And Far Cry lives and mm-hmm. dies on dudes in four by fours whipping <laughs> around with yep. like, Kalashnikovs and just going at each other outside cell phone towers. And that's what's going to be here a lot. You know, like, I, they showed us a gameplay, like, n- not like a first-person trailer. I guess there was actually lots of first-person, like, actual combat in it. Like a, like a kind of a gameplay montage. They didn't show us, like, a, a single, like, sequence. Um, uh, and that, that montage was, like, you know, picking up your buddy in your car to go out and get into gunfights with the people from the militia. And, you know, having a, a dog friend who can disarm an AK-47 from someone who's shooting it at you, which is really cool. I like the dog. It was a good dog. <laughs> um, and, like, yes, that is what this this game is. And, and, and it's what these games have always been structured around. I think that there are ways to address that that uh, can... Can to some limited degree, at least, transform it. Like I, I'm, I'm not someone who thinks. There was a conversation that I was in the other day on Twitter that was basically like all open world games have this colonialist bent because the open world is built for the player to explore and own, right? And I, I think that that is a valid line of argument, but I also think that there is a range of execution that uh, you can you can see a huge difference between, say, Far Cry 2, which is a world where you can't take over anything. You never make any space safe or yours. There's no marking on the map that says, I, this is my tower now or this is my zone. <laughs> Versus Far Cry 3, in which you literally paint the map your color, right? Like, you literally are killing people in outposts so that they're yours and that your people go in there now. Um, and so what I want to see is a variation further on this, especially coming off of a couple of Ubisoft games that are, like... So, weirdly, I think the thing that this has made me realize is, like, Tom, the Tom Clancy side of Ubisoft has <laughs> just given up on even pretending to be socially conscious. And like, fuck it, man, go kill brown people in, in uh, uh, Bolivia. Bolivia, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and or or in the streets of New York, right? Go kill these looters, quote unquote. Versus the like the Ubisoft side of Ubisoft, right? The the <laughs> non Tom Clancy, the Ubiverse, um, which is like Far Cry and and. Uh, Watch Dogs 2 and Assassin's Creed to some extent has gotten more and more interested in trying to like address those those problems inside of their own stories. And they haven't always been perfect, but I think Watch Dogs 2 takes a step forward, even though it also fucks up in some big ways. I think uh, Far Cry 4 also took uh, a step forward. Um, and so I would I would say and, and even, you know, think about Assassin's Creed, things like Freedom, uh, Freedom's Cry and uh, Liberation was actually also not uh, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, that are, like, at least attempting to address those issues, right? So my hope is that they find some variation in the same way that in Watch Dogs 2 they moved away from, like, the towers system um, to create a, a kind of looming sense of dread in certain spaces that are not violent spaces but are not, like, purely coded as safe zones either. Do you know what I mean? Like... So the trailers that they released included lots of like, oh, it's a bait shop. Oh, it's a it's it's like Main Street, like USA, uh, and it's it's the bar. And I would love those spaces to be places like I go to get ammo refills and get better body armor, and also sometimes a fist fight breaks out, right? Um, yeah. Or like, yeah, you capture a tower, and then the tower goes back to or at the tower. You can't capture an outpost, but then like the outpost is brought back into the fold, 
uh, of the of the church, right? Um, they could probably do stuff that's really interesting with your NPC companions would do around like, hey, who's who are you showing attention to, right? Like, who are you maintaining your relationship with so that they don't get brought into this cult? Um, I don't think they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do around that stuff, but I think there's opportunity to do to play with that stuff and to have it be more than just backdrop. And if they don't, if they don't, if they if it is just backdrop, uh, then I think that's a missed opportunity. Um, for the record, I also think that that's true for the kind of character creations. The first time a Far Cry game has had character creation. You can be a, a man or a woman, and you can choose your skin tone. And if that's just wallpaper, then I think that they've missed the heart of what America's militia movement is. Um, yeah. Maybe not the heart, but a big component, right? So in, in doing something like that, I saw you tweeting with uh, Mitch Dyer, who's a, mm-hmm. I think he's a developer at EA these days. He used to be a yeah. game journalist about some, something about like I – he said – I'm paraphrasing, but oh my god, I can imagine writing you know slurs, like 50 right. pages of slurs for that sort of thing, which is a fair point and a lot of work certainly and also a, a god of toll on anyone who's not a, yeah, of a course. piece of shit. Totally. But – but absolutely worth it to actually have this fiction oh, mean anything. Well, what happened? For, yeah, so that was a fun little exchange because, like, I, I'm, I like Mitch a lot and, and totally understand that. And it, yeah, would, yeah. it would be, I could see why it would be a toll on a games writer like Mitch to write that stuff. Um, and then someone else followed up. Someone else I didn't know was like, and can you imagine being the voice actor who would have to read and reread those things? <laughs> sure. And, like, all I could think was, like, yeah, dog, imagine living in the world in which you hear those things. <laughs> exactly. Like, that is the world we live in that I've... And and to be clear, I've played... I've written about game... I've written about Mafia 3, which during a preview event did that in a way that I thought they bumbled, but in the final game, they really landed. Um, yeah. So, so I, you know, I, I want to encourage people to figure that stuff out. Um, and I hope that it's not just... You know, I hope that it's not just like a situation where the cult says like, oh, well, we're all we're an evil cult. Like, don't get me wrong. We're the end times. But racism has got to go. And like, hmm, like (laughs) that's a really cheesy way to get around that dilemma of having to realize that inside of these power structures, things like race and gender completely still play the roles that they do in the world. You know, (sighs) what do you what do you want from a Far Cry five at this point? Uh, Danielle and Rob. Go ahead, Rob. I've got ideas, but I want I mean, to hear you. Well, the, my problem is I might actually just want a, a first-person Jagged Alliance game uh, in some way. <laughs> oh, sure. I think my, my problem with this series is that Far Cry 2 really only works, I think, because, one, it is so evocative of different, like, uh, landscapes and climates like it's mm-hmm. such a gorgeous game there's it yeah there are so many images and moments you're going to have in that world that just make um otherwise dull tasks feel somehow amazing and epic right like yeah. you know cresting a ridge in the desert and having the morning morning sun hit you know hit you for the first time mm-hmm. and the landscape sort of catches fire that stuff is is like transcendent and then of course the you know it's really good gunplay. Uh, the, right. the combat is really good, and I think for me, Far Cry has increasingly gotten away from that stuff. It's it's gotten a little more um, technicolor cartoony in in some ways, yes. and it's also gotten more conventionally Ubisoft open world, where a lot of these systems are intentionally made. Uh, really limited or somehow gated or less than satisfying at the start so that you 
grind your way through the game, and then the real fun begins. Then a bunch of new verbs open up. And that's kind of frustrating because ultimately what you're opening up is stuff that you can do in just about any other shooter right. uh, fr- from the word go. So I, you know, what I'm looking for really at, at a base level is just maybe get more back to that um, satisfying Far Cry, Far Cry 2 uh, combat model and and you know that that sense of place and and that command of of imagery yeah uh, but then the 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 thing that's really on my wish list the the thing I want is the sense that this is a I want to go into a place where you get a sense of how divided and foreign mm-hmm. the familiar can feel that. There are certain like no go zones because well it's just sort of accepted that the weirdo cultists you know kind of control things up that road and you don't go you don't go down that road unless you got a reason and the local police are maybe on your side but maybe they're a little complicit it's hard to read right what are federal what are federal agents doing in this in, in this reality how do normal working people uh, feel about all this and that's not stuff that's going to be brought out in combat. Well, and and so for me, that's part of why I was excited to see the three character trailers that they debuted. Um, mm. So there's like kind of three NPCs who are part of the, and I swear they're calling it this, the Resistance, which is mm. the group of kind of vigilantes that you run or are part of eventually. That that kind of goes to take that take to push back the the kind of cult slash militia that's taking over um and each of them is just like oh i'm a regular person right like there's the bartender uh, her family has run this bar in town for years and they uh her her mother and her and her brother were quote-unquote taken by the cult and, and and militia it's not clear if that means like killed or or brought into the fold or kidnapped or what um and and when their father tried to go intercede was killed right uh there's a a a dude who was a white dude who like is a crop duster whose parents or whose father and grandfather flew planes in in america's various wars and now you know by god he you know he's gonna do it too he's gonna fly his crop duster with a gatling gun on it because he (laughs) wants his children to grow up in a world without this cult in it or whatever it's very pulpy and then there's this this (laughs) black preacher uh father jerome who it like does the most like just again the pulpiest most campy like reading of of you know the the lord will be your shepherd and etc and now if but if the someone puts the flock in danger i'll be the wolf type of thing yeah. um and it like reveals inside of the the bible a pistol and then like walks out of the <laughs> of the of the church carrying a shotgun in one hand and a and a, like a bulletproof vest in the other but then like there is this other note which is just like the church has been bombed out and in the longer trailer like you see them coming for his church like two guys with a gun um and there's this sense that like okay those are the vehicles for the thing you're talking about rob which is how does the community respond to this low thrumming terror and there will at least be a voice for that i think that that voice will be goofy in some some senses that's what far cry is they're they're caricatures they are sketches they are like you know at 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 best they're very memorable um and at worst they're like memorable for the worst reasons um (laughs) right and but i think that's that's probably the angle that we'll see that stuff through you know no i don't know what if there was a police force in the game that you that showed up when conflicts broke out and you didn't know what side they would be on i mean that's that sounds like what kind of what i would love from this game in terms of 
it sounds like the best parts of what we've seen so far of this game evoke at least some of the best parts of Mafia 3, which were, right. you know, being pulpy, but also genuinely having a stand and, and right. you know, wanting to say something. Whether or not it, it, you know, completely was successful in that, maybe yeah. it wasn't, but it definitely had a point of view and a point of existence and wanted to say something instead of just being like, here's the thing, now go play. Uh, like, I'm like so having, afraid of having that hedging. purpose. Yeah, yeah, right. that's... Right. That's what I want. I want to. I just want a purpose, even if it's pulpy, right. even if it's wacky, even if it's you know a little over the top, which is is fine. I actually really enjoyed Far Cry Four. I didn't finish it, but I put a good twenty something hours into it mm-hmm. and thought like, this is not perfect by any means, but this is actually a very fun playground that it, at least is cor- course correcting from yes. some of the complete crap from the from the third game. So I'm I am hopeful that they will continue on that ladder. Uh, we will see. I suppose. Totally, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see how it shakes out. It's not out until February, which is killing me a little bit. Just a quick question: uh, yeah. anything there about um, sort of First Nations uh, Indian uh, yeah, characters? That's, that's nothing, nothing in, in nothing in what's come up yet. And again, that would be a real drop ball for them if they didn't include yeah. include something there. But also, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, it's going to be one set of side quests. You're going to know one Native American character. You know what I mean? Like it ends uh, up being. Yeah. It's so. It's so. This is that's complete speculation on my part, right? Like, yeah. but 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 that's how that sort of thing has been handled in the past by AAA games, and I want them to do better. You know, yes. that's all I ever want from people and games is come just on, do better. Let's do better. It's just that easy. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> that easy. So yeah. So just to be clear, I didn't get any hands on time with it. I just saw kind of a talk that was like again a really intense talk about fear and about like the research that went into the game and and feelings of instability um and if you want to read my ex- explanation of that stuff i just don't want to just repeat it all here you can go to waypoint.advice.com and read the article that i wrote about it uh which is called far cry 5 is about living under fear in america uh so check that out what have you two been up to besides listening to me tell you for the last week that i have all these thoughts about far cry <laughs> i played some rhyme which is oh. uh a, a, uh, a game Mike actually wrote about, Mike Diver, uh, mm-hmm. wrote about this today, that it uh, it's very pretty, and it's it's basically like a very pretty puzzle game, very much in the vein of an eco or Shadow of, not really Shadow of the Colossus, more eco or uh, The Last Guardian, right. kind of evoking those, you know, very, very pretty Abzu, maybe Journey, you know, kind of those kinds of games, mm-hmm. uh, but more puzzly. And uh, it's it's a very very beautiful game. It has that that gorgeous, very sort of cell shaded look yeah. to it. A lot of pastels. Uh, what you do is you you're pretty much a little character. You're actually, it's, it's kind of cool. You're a little like non binary kid, which is which is nice. You yeah. have a little fox friend, and you can shout at things, which is just cute. You can hum, and you can also basically solve environmental puzzles. Uh, I I dig it thus far, but I definitely also see what Mike was saying. Mike was a bit disappointed in the mm. game, I think, uh, saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, there's a there's certainly some some good here. There's some good puzzles. There's some you know interesting interactions, but it all feels a little lightweight." Uh, and right. I and I definitely could see that. I've I've only played ninety minutes or so of the game, so I'm I'm not through with it. I think it's probably about a five or six hour game. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm definitely enjoying it for what it is. But it might just be that it's a good chill out game for me right now. Right. And and sometimes it's kind of what you want, what you feel like, what you need. Uh, so yeah, 
I That's watched you play rhyme. for a little <laughs> while. You were play, you were playing it. Here's a little behind the scenes. You were playing it while we were recording our binary domain podcast. I was. <laughs> um, and uh, afterwards, I kind of hung out with you and played a little bit of it. And then the puzzle design was like pretty okay, but it kind of wavered between being a little too like handholdy, a little too like obvious, and being a little um, uh, inscrutable. And that's a weird yeah. bouncing ba- like back and forth. Like I. It's one thing if a whole game is one way or the other. I can kind of I can kind of get into that mode, right? Like I've played really straightforward puzzle games, and I've played things like uh, I mentioned Gorgoa on a on the Post Packs podcast recently, where it was like, yeah. oh boy, this thing is hard to get my head around. Um, but well, something like kind of, the Witness, as much as I insulted, I I liked right. a lot of the very difficult puzzles there. Yeah, totally. Whereas whereas from watching you play this, it was like. This puzzle, I guess this makes sense. Like, I don't I don't think it... And then the next one would be like, oh, yeah, obviously, just do X, Y, Z. And yeah. that bouncing back and forth can be really tough. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, yeah. Uh, anything else? I, I'm playing Overwatch again, actually. Oh. In, in Not in light of the anniversary. It's just I finished Prey that one night after my 48 hours. And, the, and before jumping in again for the next play, Prey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Prey through? Sorry, that was terrible. Uh, but before that, I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch somebody stream something. I'm going to play some Overwatch. And yeah, it's still pretty awesome. I tried some of the new newer characters I hadn't played in almost a year, to be honest. Like, I played a whole mm. bunch when it first came out. Right, And then either. just didn't touch it for a long time. Yeah, I've, it's, I haven't played... I played... Last time I played was when... Um, God, what is even her name? What is this? Sombra? No, before Sombra. Uh, the robot lady? No, before... Oh, Anna? Anna. Anna. Anna was the yes. last time I played was when Anna okay. got added. So I've missed, like... I, all the PVE modes that they added for various, you know, uh, small events. I've missed Ar- Arisa and and Sombra. And I just, like, keep saying, oh, I'll get back in soon. And then just, like, <laughs> it's so hard for me to put it abo- on the list above something else that we would be talking about in any given week, you know? It's very much higher. my... Oh, I yeah. bet. I bet. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm afraid, Rob. I'm so scared. What if I go back and it's just not fun? It, I, I, I'm jumping back in. It is very fun, but it is definitely my podcast game. Like, mm-hmm. It is definitely the game I will put on for a little while and just play in the arcade mode or whatever, you know, the, the no consequences mode, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and just play a few rounds and have a great time as Zarya, the only character that makes any sense. Although I've had some success with Sombra, you know, new new to me, new character to me. Uh, playing as her is pretty fun too, but mostly Zarya. Sorry, it just makes sense to me, man. I don't know. We just have a connection there. I don't have to <laughs> yeah, care. Weird, but, huh? Hmm. You know, it's weird. It's weird. The, I, I like the buff lady. It's, she's <laughs> God. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> cool. How about you, Rob? What are you up to? Uh, so the journey through Endless Space 2 continues. Oh. Ooh. And I am continuing to really dig that game. And it's weirdness. So... I finished. Um, I, I finished the the game I was playing as the United Empire. Uh, okay, which is like vaguely human, like human starship troopers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very very inclusive though. Uh, <laughs> by the end, I had a multi, like many many species uh, were part of our project. Um, in part because I was forcibly incorporating other species into the United Empire, uh, which by the way was a little weird. So. There are elections in this game, and the elections are, uh, again, surprisingly progressive. Uh, they use a ranked choice voting system in the oh, in-game weird. elections. Uh, so you'll have surprising outcomes where the initial polling will come back, and like uh, the faction you might want is to, to sort of be running things. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...is in second place. But when Election Day happens they actually jumped to the front because a bunch of the smaller factions listed that other faction as their second choice. And since they didn't like make it past the post, basically uh, the, the, the vote transferred. So it's a, it's a oh, weird, weird dynamic. Wow. Yeah. You look at the polls and it's not actually like, okay, the, the, the number one and two people are, are going to, to win. It's actually a little more nuanced than that. It really depends on, where those third, fourth, and fifth uh, choice people are going to send their votes after their after theirs is sort of um, you know instantly run off, right? That's so a neat system that it, that's I'm glad they didn't just default to like a, an American system because it turns out there's a way there's a ton of ways to do democracy. And unfortunately, I feel like we often just see that system in so many games. Yeah. Well, um, and it's 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 very easy to comprehend, right? Right. Like totally. If polling results are translated instantly into who are your mm-hmm. top finishers, that's easy to wrap your head around. But it's it's more interesting and more representative, and uh, you know, I don't know, arguably a better way to run your democracy. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it, <laughs> but a weird. So the weird thing that happened though is uh, toward the end of the game. As I was playing the United Empire, I thought I'd been doing pretty well. Okay. And I had a really powerful industrial base, and I was making a lot of money, money equaling dust here, which is sort of the magical oh, currency yeah, slash uh, spice of, of <laughs> Endless Space 2. And so I thought I was doing really, really well. It turns out, though, like, so Endless Space 2 is a game where you can kind of be good at everything, but the game really wants you to be extraordinarily great at something. And there are ways you can get there, but you really need to sort of... The way I'm increasingly looking at it is Endless Space 2 is very much a game that wants you to move from like one myopic focus to the next. Okay. And if you don't do that, if you don't go all in on a strategy... And sort of sprint on that strategy. Okay, so you don't mean you don't mean going in a single playthrough from one strategy to the next. You mean like basically, like, okay, this is my military playthrough. I'm going to be the biggest military power there is. It's a little more like, okay, now I need to do some military stuff. Okay, and then you're going all in. Like you're not just doing a little. It's not like you're building like a few spaceships gotcha. and you're calling it. It's like, well, if you're going to build a few spaceships, you should build fifty, and then <laughs> and then you should go mess someone up. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of what this game sort of seems to be asking you to to do because there's a lot of these like competitive quests where you'll achieve certain milestones that indicate that you aren't just doing this one aspect of the game. You're not just an industrial powerhouse. You're the biggest industrial <laughs> powerhouse, and that's where you need to be. So I was I had a pre, like I was running a pretty balanced like trade and industry empire until I realized that one of my allies. We're basically just like printing money uh, over there, and they were going to win the economic victory. Like 
they were going to have made base like to give you a sense i was making about 3000 dust a turn uh by the middle of the game that's a lot and of dust it sounds like it doesn't it that's oh, the sort of it, number you'd think is it not 3000 things of dust like kilos yeah 3000 uh grams 3000 <laughs> Yeah. Cubits, I believe, is there. There are little Ziploc baggies full of dust, like <laughs> everywhere. Basically, <laughs> like we were Zips. loading them onto yeah. pigeons' backs. Uh, <laughs> no. So, nice. so um, yeah. So three thousand sounds like a lot, and and it is. Like I, I, I had enough money that I didn't really need to worry about it, and I could afford whatever kind of army I wanted. But the economic victory is that you need to have made like. 895,000 dust Ugh. for the entire game. <laughs> Wait, so that, are there just, is that what the win conditions are? Or is it like as simple as that? Like, oh, I have, I have 895,000 dust. Are you buying a thing at the end? No, it's, it's just that simple. It's like, oh, congratulations, your GDP now represents uh, twice the value of the entire galaxy. Like, that's kind of where it goes. I don't know if it's inflation-sensitive, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, my, my suspicion is it is not, because uh, otherwise it would sort of be the Xena's paradox of wind conditions, but I, I do need <laughs> to look at that a little bit. Um, yeah, inflation is in this game, by the way, so have fun with that. Anyway, so I thought I'd been doing really, really well, and then it turns out one of my allies is, I get the notification, they're actually closing in on that victory condition, which also let me know, like, I'm making 3,000 dust a turn, and I'm not even in the ballpark. Like, right. I'm not even... Wow. So that and there was no way like, for them to give you a heads up that you needed to speed up? Do you know what I mean? There wasn't a... There oh, was I, no... got, I got a heads up. This oh, wasn't, okay. like, five turns to go, they're closing in on it. Like, okay. I got the first warning that this was in play, probably 50 or 60 turns, maybe more, before the end came. But the problem was there were there was another empire between me and my erstwhile ally. And so I'm still buddies with my ally, but I'm kind of like, I'm going to need to attack you. But before I can attack you, I'm going to have to like fight my way through these other people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started waging this massive war uh, with, the, with the Cravers, which are this insectoid race who just, um, they just must consume... Uh, like literally they're a genetically modified organism that just like eat shit. Like that's, that's what they do. They were designed as a weapon. Like imagine the Krogan or, uh, or, or the Rachni in, in, uh-huh. in, uh, Mass Effect. But what they do is just they consume stuff. It's like, uh, sentient army ants. How is that mechanically represented in, uh, in animal space too? They suck planets dry. Oh, And the cool. longer huh. they inhabit a planet, the more it's core productive, like values. Oh, that's plummet. really cool. Because like the, yeah, the, I, opposite, the, the opposite of what most other factions would be doing on a planet, right? Like you get to a planet, it's pretty shitty. You you start to build it up because you're building factories and farms and you're you're building labs and all that. And by mid or late game, you've turned these planets into something that are like they're each all their output values are maximized or and really efficient. And these guys just show up and like eat the planet, pretty much. And like they don't like they don't eat it down to the bone. Okay, but. It's basically like its core values are all very, very low. Right. And whatever bonuses, like the building bonuses are still there, but what those bonuses are multiplying is much, much lower. Gotcha. And so it's, uh, yeah, like they need to keep expanding because the longer they're in a system, the more, um, you know, strip mined it gets and the less productive, the more marginal it becomes. So. 
I start invading these guys, and we're fighting. It, it's a, it's a whole Donnybrook. Like they've got more advanced <laughs> military technology. Uh, they can field bigger fleets. Um, but I have just a limitless industrial capacity. Like I was literally just like spamming fleets at them. Like I would lose like twelve top of the line warships in a single turn, and twenty would hit the front line the next turn. Like it was oh. just. It was brutal. It was like so. It was like East Front, nineteen forty-five. Like I don't even care about the losses. You're going down. It was cool. <laughs> Insect warfare, yes. almost. <laughs> uh, and, and so I didn't. I didn't. Like, I had just finished like closing these guys out and was poised to attack my ally uh, when, when they won the game. So I started a new game, and this is the this is the thing that, that is really kind of weird about Endless Space too. It feels like a totally different game. I started playing this other faction. I forget their names, but they're like fish people. And okay, their Zora. opening, okay, their opening cutscene is like Goodfellas or The Godfather. <laughs> yes, yes, like, it's so good. It's so good. So I still haven't put yeah. much time into this because I can't decide on a faction to learn. Um, but I watched all of the intros and Austin, tell us about this intro. Uh, so it's it's this amazing th- here's the setup the setup is like the three leaders of the space mob like the like they're aliens they're like star trek aliens right they're like okay. green reptile skin or something I, I actually forget i think that they have like weird antennae maybe even um no they're, they're like um they've got like uh, catfish whiskers they do have catfish but that's what it is yeah, they have no, catfish whiskers yeah. yes um and and they're like, oh, this kid, he's up, he's no good. I gotta tell you, and like they're kind of having this like rolling conversation slash debate about like he, you know, I heard he went on to Talos Seven and took over all the drug labs, and he's like cut down to <laughs> to space alien, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ray Liotta kicking in the door, and then like talking in a to dinner all- jacket. Yes, in a dinner jacket. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, but I, I hear he has all the, the, the friends in all highest society, and then it's like him <laughs> in a party or whatever. It's so good. It's like... That's amazing. I know I'm missing stuff because it's been like two weeks yeah. since I watched it, Rob. Is there another highlight? Um, so there's also like... You've got members of the family being like, look, we're in the dust business. Right. No personal use. No we personal sell it, use. But we don't, don't use your own supply. That's to this dude just like getting jacked up on the dust. Like his eyes <laughs> are like glowing with magical dust. Uh, it's very wow. good. It's very so, good. And that doesn't that doesn't stop. That's the thing, is like you start the game. First of all, most of the soundtrack is shared, but it seems like each faction has like faction specific music. Oh, and really? So this For the faction, whole game? I think. Because the first thing you hear with this faction is kind of this like jazzy mob movie uh-huh. like uh, like horn solo Good. kind of thing that's going <laughs> on. Um, and then your early quests are like. Which of the families should we strike an alliance with? Right, that's well, really good. Well, these guys are good with the unions, but these guys are good with the drug trade. And so it's so weird. Like I'm playing the same game, but everything about it just feels. A little bit tweaked and a little more illicit, right? But you're still easier. Like, you're still like colonizing planets and putting down laser farms or whatever. But also, there's the instead of the traditional, instead of the political, uh, the voting system that you talked about with the whatever space United Nations was called. This one has like inner inner familia like tension and stuff. 
Well, that, so it looks like it draws the line at the politics. The, the po- okay. political factions are still there. It looks like that's largely going to be the same from faction to faction. Uh, I think different races interact with that mechanic differently. Uh, but in the quest lines, you've got gotcha. which, fa- like which, which family mafia bonuses uh, do you want to get? Which ones do you want to do quests for? Um, but then there are like major changes that come with this faction. Like, for instance, they don't build colony ships. They just oh. buy planets. <laughs> Good. And wow. So, That's easy. There you go. So you, you go out there, and huh. like if you see a system, you just buy it. You just like click the button, and immediately and a colony starts forming. Yes. Wow. But it go it, like the price goes up with each colony, but not as but it doesn't scale as fast as your economy is going to scale. So like you get off to maybe a slowish start, but then like you can just kind of go nuts on buying colonies. And I got in this like expansion race with the Horatio. Okay, we can talk about oh, the Horatio. We have to talk about the Horatio real second. quick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I want you... Okay, there's... Mm, Danielle, I want you to guess what the Horatio are based on the name, the Horatio. Okay, okay, okay. Are they... I don't know. I'm in like a Zelda mood right now. Are they like Rito-like birdie people? No, that's a good We're guess. Very that's, proud? You know, Bird aliens are totally a thing. No, the Horatio are they're they're Horatio. Are, are, we, are we going Shakespearean Horatio here? Is that I think what we're thinking? they're very cultured. They are. Very, yeah. <laughs> some would say they're the most cultured. <laughs> Horatio would say that certainly. Uh, yeah. Horatio is a really rich guy who okay. other people didn't like, and he didn't like them, and so he was like, "Fuck it, man! I'll clone myself." And I'll make a whole wow. a whole culture of me. Um, so it's a technocrat. It's one technocrat who then cloned himself a billion so times. So it's a whole race of of himself who he thinks is the best person in the yes. world. Yes, and his name okay. is Horatio. <laughs> and okay. they and they share a collective identity. Like they are not. It is not they are all clones made from a common like genetic stock. They are all Horatio. Right. They are all the oh, best people. Wow. Yeah. Like. Who like why would they want to have sex with anyone who isn't Horatio? So like they yep. like so their romantic partners are all Horatio. Um well what wow. what do you want to do? Well whatever you whatever Horatio feels like. Whatever, whatever we want to. Yeah. Um and then like, they, they This do... is like Greek myth. Oh kind yeah, yeah, of yeah, level. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Holy shit. Because then like their whole thing is also that when they go to other cultures, they can assimilate like whatever the genetic traits are of enemy species into their into their into Horatio's central bloodline. Um, so it's a it's a whole thing. Wow. Anyway, you were saying something about Horatio's, <laughs> and we got distracted, Rob. Yeah. So they're they're my nearest neighbor, and they're also colonizing very fast. And so I decided to nip that in the bud, and I saved up. And I just bought every single habitable system, like, in a mm. ring around them. Nice. Uh, including stuff I can't possibly defend uh, if it comes to it, but just to, like, box the them fuck in. it, you own it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and so, like, it was this weird, it, it was this weird, like, uh, you know, claim-jumping uh, race in which, because I, I don't play by the rules that other races do, I was able to basically go from, like, a small like basically i was i was just, i just had my home system i hadn't projected mm-hmm. out at all into the galaxy uh to having like 12 star systems under my control in the space of like uh 
you know, probably like 20 turns. And that blew up in my face a little bit because I didn't have enough food to go mm-hmm. around. Uh, there's a little bit of a famine. Uh, but, ah. but it all came out in the end. Uh, it's all good. And so now the Horatio are pissed at me. Uh, but <sighs> I'm not sure I care. No, fuck him. Fuck Horatio. You heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. I am still working out how this game really does work and, and how it... Sure. Like, because there's there is so much stuff hidden in that tech tree. And this is what I was... I wrote a little bit about this on, on the site this week. If you've played a lot of Civ, and at this point, most everyone has encountered Civ at least at least once in their, in their gaming career, um, you do have a sense for how that game flows and where it's headed and what stuff means. In Endless Space 2, there are so many interactions between like planet types and population types and then yeah. wonders and technology. And there's a lot of... like you're not going to get most of the the technologies in this game like mo- like you you actually need to skip a lot of them so you need to choose gotcha. what's going to be complimentary so like and, most games like this you end up kind of like i'm just going to have everything by the end so whatever and in this you there are actual choices about like not going down certain routes yeah cuz you okay. just don't have the time like even the really like basic technologies that would only take a couple turns to research later in uh-huh. the game um, you just can't afford the opportunity cost of going uh-huh. back and getting that unless you really need that resource. It might actually just be cheaper to buy that resource on the market and right, don't right. learn to mine it yourself. But the thing is, then there's all these interactions that are going to take a lot of time for you to learn. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm still struggling is that because like each of these, there's, there are faction specific technologies, a lot mm-hmm. of them. Uh, because there are all these like unique interactions between like faction and climate and all this stuff, it makes it really tough to like get a sense of not only what you should be doing at a given moment, but what you're going to want to be doing later. And because that's really what forex games right. are all about is like setting yourself up for those late game pushes. And that's where I'm struggling to sort of uh, see the road ahead of me. I have a question. What is the combat like in this game? Like, because Endless Space 1, you just kind of said, like, okay, I'm going to put my, my ships in this formation and, like, maybe play, like, a special tactics card or something. Yeah, it's still and then, that. It's still uh, that. It okay. sucks. Like, so it say, is... That's a shame, because Endless Legend, Endless Legend had, like, a pretty fun tactical combat mode uh, when, you're, when you went to war, and that's, that's a shame. Yeah, what, what Amplitude do with combat is they don't... Um, give you direct control over right. like in none of their games do they give you direct control over anything like in endless legend and this is where things got oh, cool you're totally right yeah in endless legend you sort of gave an outline of your orders yeah you said like, i want army. you to attack this enemy but you didn't move the unit and then attack the enemy and sometimes would you maneuver could be, to attack right you would be surprised because i think it was an all-at-once thing right like everybody kind of did yeah their move, I might be misremembering, but I remember being surprised about outcomes often. Well, because I think it was they would go and then you would go and it went through a turn order, but you didn't control it. And right. so, like, if you assigned a target and that target moved out of range, your unit, depending on its orders, would either stand, stand in position or it would just pursue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you didn't want it to make the decision that you'd outlined at the start. And so a lot of it became anticipating what that turn would look like, uh, which was kind of a cool thing. A lot cooler than this. I would say, like, the combat in Endless Space 2, is it looks cool. Okay. Uh, but 
you're going to auto resolve most of your combat mm-hmm. because there's just not much. Nothing happens in, in the combat. The, the, this is the other thing that kind of sucks about it is that in endless in endless legend between turns you'd have the option of assigning new orders. Mm-hmm. There are no turns in this. It's just a battle plays out according and you to just phases. Fast forward through it if you want to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's definitely the the weakest part of this because. I'm sure there's a way to play your cards right and use the correct tactics cards. Uh-huh. Like there are ways to take advantage of that, but it feels pretty marginal and it's not super rewarding, which is a shame given how like cool a lot of the spaceships look and and, and how awesome a lot of technology you put on them is. That is a shame. Well, I'm still going to try to spend some time with it at some point. Probably not this weekend. Maybe next weekend. We'll see. Can uh, can one of you guys stream it so I can watch it? <laughs> That's a good idea. I, want, I really do out. want to see this in action. You know. Yeah, we should try to figure that out maybe next week at some point. All right. All right. I like it. We should go to the question bucket. If you have a question yeah. for us, you can email it to gamingadvice.com uh, and, and use the subject question bucket, and we'll, we'll toss it into the question bucket. It's a Friday, which means we're going digging deep. I'm going to need a number from one of you. 38. Rob, yeah. R- yes. Rob's number game is really good. Rob just like has a number in his head. And boom, knows. 38. Okay, this comes in from Brandon from Ohio, who says, uh, Hello to you all. My question is for Mr. Austin Walker. It is about The Witcher 3 and the Giant Bomb Game of the Year Awards 2015. Oh, Brandon! Oh. While listening to the Giant Bomb Game of the Awards 2015 edition, I couldn't help notice how you seemed... Uh, how down you seem in The Witcher 3. It barely made it in the overall top 10 list that year. Listen to your thoughts on the game now. It seems your opinions have changed. I was curious if you could go back and change your top 10 list of games from 2015. Would The Witcher 3 be on it? Probably not. Um, I'm not... I, I, I'm still the really fuck, think The Austin? Witcher 3 is really good. But it just didn't... I, I haven't gone back and beaten it, right? Like, I committed to myself this beginning of the year to go back and play through that game and then bounce off of it again. I got a little bit further and bounced off of it again. And every couple of months, I, mean, I dip back in and bounce off of it again. In The Witcher 3's defense, it's 2017. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, True. every other month has had a game of all time contender. Right. Well, okay. exactly. maybe I'm exaggerating slightly, but this year has been abnormal. Uh, I'm going to look at my Giant Bomb 2015 list just to see <laughs> if I would so, not. I think there's crucial context here, though. Yeah. Which is that yeah. Austin was using some really aggressive game theory tactics throughout uh-huh. that entire <laughs> debate. Like, what Austin really thought of the games of 2015 is not what Austin was doing in those debates, in, the, in those yeah. podcasts. No, 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 but my personal list is what this person is talking about. Okay. Which are three is not all my, uh, my personal list for 2013 or 2015 was Her Story, Sabelle, Dragon Ball Xenoverse, Elite Dangerous, Grow Home, Wheels of Aurelia, Fallout 4, Galaxy the Dimensional, Undertale, and Invisible Ink. Uh, I appreciate that Austin Walker of 2015 included the notes I used to argue for Invisible Ink in this, <laughs> in this, uh, this write-up of my top 10 games. And like, this is what it comes down to, is any sort of personal list, any sort of personal evaluation needs to be like radically honest about the amount of joy that you take from something. Um, and... I am not here to do the, like, I've never been here to do the, like, score-tallying style of criticism that is, hey, is this thing good in the culture or in the history of games? Because if so, then, like, yeah, I bet you The Witcher 3 would make it onto my list. But it doesn't make sense to include it on my list, because that's not what I did in 2015, and it's not what I've done since. 
that's made me happy, like deeply happy in the way that it makes other people. I'm glad it makes other people deeply happy. Um, but like it just didn't for me. And so I have to be honest to that separate from whatever the, the wider response is, you know? That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. All right. All right. I'm reading this list, Austin, and, and I really respect the hell out of it besides the inclusion of Fallout 4 at number four. Uh, but, but that, again, like, this is the thing. That. is like, okay, so for Fallout 4, <laughs> like, I fucking moved from Canada to home for the first time. You know, I spent five years in Canada. I moved home and then got to play a game in which it was, it was set in, in a kind of a weird uh, Boston, and I got to make a home, right? Like, I, I spent so much time in Fallout 4 building settlements, and I loved that because it's something I'd wanted in Bethesda games for years, and when they added the Skyrim, it didn't really work for me. And then it worked for me in Fallout 4, and I understand why it didn't work for a lot of people, but, like, it really did. I spent way more time building a basketball court in Fallout 4 and building bars and building outposts and building gardens and and huge farms than I did, like, enjoying my time with Geralt. Like, and that's not... I get it. That's I get it. a subjective for my, experience. For my backstory on that, I, I tried real hard yeah, to get uh, Witcher 3 on the top 10 of Polygon's list. And uh, it lost because also of one person, one person voting for Fallout Four over it, and I, I'm just mad, and it's okay. I'm just, you know, sometimes well, hey, we have to process our list. grief. And I bet you that <laughs> list didn't have half of the weird games on my list on it. So I'm. You it know. sure didn't. Uh, Polygon 2015 Game of the Year. This is gonna make me angry. It's gonna make why? Me why? Uh, why? It's gonna make you so mad, Rob. Why? You don't even know. None of this matters. Okay, Rocket League is. Yeah, good. Good. Rocket League's a great good game. Paul, I I know Bloodborne was on there. Foam I know was a good Mario game. Maker okay. was on there. Okay. Uh, Splatoon's yeah, a great game. I'm just game. going from I'm just going from memory because I made a I made every one of those videos from those, Life is uh, Strange is a great videos. game. Yes, Life is Strange made it. Taken there were some King. good games on there. Good. Taken King is a great game. Fallout Four is a game that I like more than most people. It's fine. <laughs> Super Mario Maker is a great game. Yes, it is. Phantom Pain is a great game. I don't. I think it's way too long, but I really love my time with Phantom Pain. I think only like two okay. of mine. Hmm. The one you cut here is Fallout Four, for sure. Like, I definitely think that's the case. I. Hmm. Phantom Pain. Phantom Pain. I. I, I think my concern, my, like, I don't know, like, I think the weird thing with a game like Phantom Pain is that it comes out so late in the year that, like, I never, I literally never had time to play it. Before, you know what I mean? Okay. It like came out like in December. Did it? No, it didn't. I think it came out really late. Mm. It came out late. It definitely no, came out super late. No, it super didn't. You're both wrong. What? It came out in September. What was it October? Se- oh, my God. <laughs> September 1st. So, no. There was plenty of time to play for no, it. absolutely right. So. September. Oh. That's right in the middle of that's right in the middle of release season. Uh-huh, How can yes. I get, find time to play <laughs> the new release in September when there's so many releases, Austin? Yeah, I don't, uh. I don't know. It was a tough year, and I and and The Witcher Three. I mean, like for what it's worth, I think part of the problem for a lot of part of the reason that The Witcher Three didn't win huge awards in a lot of places is that it was a super long game, and game reviewers can't play super long games if they're not assigned those reviews. It's True. really hard to find the time to do that, um, and that was part of it for me, right? Like if I was if I had been still in grad school, I probably would have played through The Witcher Three all the way through, partially because I would have bought it and it would have been the only game I could have afforded in for four months and partially because like i had a little more free time and would just like stay up late and and just 
pour hours into it. Um, and my, my grad school work would have suffered for it, but I would have fucking done it anyway. Uh, but oh. as like a, as like a, a actual games journalist, like it's hard to devote that much time for, to one thing if you can't be writing about it, you know? Um, so, yeah. So I don't Sorry, know. Sorry. My, my top three, in case you, in case you were wondering, I cause I, I know you definitely were, were Dropsy, Soma, and Witcher 3. That's so, a good list. You know? Those are good games. It was a good year for games that year. It was. Uh, you should play Undertale, Danielle. I played some of it. You should play through all of it. I think the problem was I, I played a bunch of it, mm-hmm. and then the, yeah. the massive Undertale Appreciation Society happened, mm-hmm. and I think the hype – it was one of those cases where the hype maybe got a little bit in the way of You should of uh, Yeah. I think you should go back to it now knowing that it's, like, a thing you'll enjoy and, like, that's going to be – that's the height of it. Like, that's the height of my recommendation for that game it has always been, like, I think this game's really funny and good and, and has a lot of heart and is really cool. But also, like, I think you'll have a good time. And, like, that's kind of it. Like, I don't think that – I don't think it's going to change your life. I don't think it's going to maybe move you the way it moved some other people. But, like, if yeah. you ever find yourself with, like, ten extra hours or something to play through it a couple of times and get a couple of the endings, it is super worth doing that. Because I went in hyper-skeptical and came out a believer, so. I see. All one, right. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I will. Okay. I think that's going to do it for us. I don't have it in me to do another question uh, because I'm, as you can tell, I'm sick and, sick and completely. But my life is blurry right now. Everything around oh. me is strange, and I'm exhausted. So I'm going to head out. Uh, you can find me on the internet. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh no! Uh, you can find me on the internet. You can find him in the obituary section. Yeah, in the obituary. Exactly. <laughs> God. Uh, here lived Austin Walker. Here lived Austin <laughs> underscore Walker on Twitter. Uh, you can find everything we do at waypoint.vice.com, um, facebook.com slash waypointvice, youtube.com slash waypointvice. Danielle, where can people find you? I'm at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. And Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney on Twitter. All right, shout outs to Tim Barnes for producing. You can find Tim at Tim Barnes 451 yeah, on Twitter. And you can find uh, info about. Uh, 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 Bowen, who's letting us use his song Miss You off of the EP Pale Machine at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with like a special question bucket episode uh, for Memorial Day. Uh, that'll probably be a little shorty, but, but you know. Fuck it, we're going to the bucket! Going to the bucket. Did so you like that? Catch us okay. then. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Danielle, what do we say? Be good, or be good at it. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.